Welcome to Inspired by Failure, Lessons Learned from the Journey of Epic Ideas. I'm your host, Michi Yamamoto. This is where we talk to inventors and learn from their successes and failures to inspire us and help us change the world. In this episode, I interview Bill Cox. Bell is the inventor of Libsonic. Libsonic is free software for speeding up or slowing down speech. His software library has been adopted by major Linux distributions. I'm curious how he came to the idea of speech speed control, how it works, and how he made it work. We have a Facebook group. Where we can continue our conversation about him or his invention. Please check out michiyamamoto.com. Thanks for joining us today, Bill. Can you please tell us about the time you came across with the idea of manipulating the speed of speech audio? I'm losing my vision. And when I discovered that, uh, 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 a blind program named Cena Brahm helped me learn to listen at very high speed using a really old text to speech engine、uh, called Eloquence.、Um, on Linux, it's called Boxen.、Um, and、uh, the problem is that、uh, the algorithm Boxen uses、uh, is going away.、Uh, Note that the modern text to speech engines have almost nothing in common with the, the way that they、uh, were able to make that. Uh, text to speech engine that could go very fast. And the blind still use it, they love it. But it hasn't、oh. had a single line of update since the 90s. So it's,、uh, it's depreciated. And the new ones could only talk slow.、Mm. Uh, this is a critical、uh, piece for me and, and many blind people because our productivity at work、mm-hmm. depends on the speed of our screen reader. It reads everything to me. Hard to understand. <laughs> That's my slow speed. I'm feeling a little slow lately. Oh, really? Wow. I, I'll probably speed it back up to higher speeds. But that's very slow compared to、uh, some blind users.、Um, I'm listening at about 600 words a minute at my high speeds.、Um, and I have a friend who listens,、uh, his work speed is over 1,000 words a minute.、Um, so our productivity is directly related to how fast you can get the information out of the computer and in, into our ears.、Um, and so、uh, the, the problem was、uh, when, when I looked into speeding up、uh, new text to speech engines,、uh, they all fell apart after about 2x speed up. And the, the, the problem was they didn't have a good algorithm. For speeding up a single voice with、uh, high fidelity、uh, over 2x.、Um, and so I, I spent、uh, about a year tinkering with different ways to speed up speech、mm-hmm. um, and, until I came up with this one. How did the Libsonic development get started? Yeah, I started losing my vision in when I was、uh, 13 years ago.、Oh. And then about、uh, 11 years ago, I started.、Uh, I decided to do something、uh, mm-hmm. about it.、Um, and I began learning to listen at high speed.、Uh, and I, I met Cedar Brom,、uh, who's my、uh, blind mentor, who taught me how to code、oh. with my eyes closed.、Um, but there was this problem that scared the heck out of a lot of us that、uh, you know, it's harder and harder to get that voice that you just heard installed.、Uh, 
and it's on fewer and fewer devices. So we have to live with whatever's built in. And Google's, by the way, was terrible, to be honest. At, at high speed, they would only let you go to uh, 3x speed up. And I don't know any blind person who would ever use it at that speed because the voice was pretty much incomprehensible, um, even at 3x. Uh, but uh, that's, that's changed. Uh, Kieran Kaja is a, a blind uh, person here at Google who, uh, back at the year I joined in 2015, introduced me uh, to uh, the guy's name, who I won't say because I'd, I'd mispronounce it, he's French, um, who was responsible for the back end of, uh, speech generation of Google TTS. And we had a 20-minute conversation about uh, how I manipulate the signal. And instead of using my algorithm, uh, he did what every other major TTS uh, engine uh, has done. He's incorporated the idea in the generator. So now he uses the same algorithm, but it's in the t speech generation instead of a post-process. And it, it, it's, uh, it's beautiful, though, the text-to-speech. Uh, Google TTS uh, at high speed now is very usable. What was the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? Adoption. So it's easy to invent things. It's hard to change the world. To get broad adoption, I had to, uh, I had to find the right people. Uh, it, um, and I needed to get the library out there. So I needed to get it adopted in Debian. Uh, that was a two-year process by itself. Um, uh, Sam, Samuel over there in their accessibility team, I appreciate his help. Uh, he, you have to have a champion to, uh, for a library mm. to be in Debian. Uh, he's uh, very supportive of accessibility efforts. And so he integrated Libsonic and Debian. And then it got adopted in a lot of other places. Uh, I did a port to Android uh, several years ago um, because uh, Android didn't have uh, a built-in way to change the text, uh, or, well, speech speed at all, uh, while iOS did. And so developers for iOS were offering users a way to speed up their audiobooks or whatever, and, and over on uh, on Android, they didn't have anything. And so I wrote a native uh, Java port. Now it's used everywhere. It's even used in uh, uh, Google's uh, uh, media book player. Uh, if you get the Google's own uh, audiobook player uh, for Android, it, it, it uses the same, uh, the same code. Um, so it can be applied in the text-to-speech engine itself or as a post-process, though it introduces some noise. You made the first commit to the Libsonic repository on November 2nd, 2010, which is over eight years ago. Since then, 182 commits have been made to the repository. What's the best thing that has happened to the development? Wow, that's hard to point out. There is a lot of fun things in there that uh, I do. I enjoy learning new things. So I learned digital signal processing. Um, I, I learned how to do uh, uh, fur and and IIR uh, filters. Um, that oh. was, uh, uh, and, and I even uh, most recently did a. Uh, 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 sin, sin X or X uh, uh, interpolation filter, if you've ever heard of those, uh, for resampling uh, is, is now built in, into Libsonic. Um, they require um, a lot of thought. 
Mm. Uh, this is very important to me, so I'm, I'm happy to do that. Recently, you've been focusing on cryptography. How is cryptography related to Libsonic? Do they have anything in common? They're pretty different. <laughs> uh, my passions are uh, uh, security and accessibility. Um, I work on accessibility uh, partly because uh, I have to for me. Uh, I've got all mm. kinds of things I don't even show people that are just for me. Um, and also because I love it. There's no other group out there than the blind who uh, will take whatever you give them, <laughs> no matter how early or how crummy. Um, and just the fact that you did something for them that made their lives slightly better, uh, it really makes my day because these people are more appreciative than any group of coders I've ever uh, uh, you know, uh, tried to help out. I do a lot of different things and have trouble focusing in one area, but um, uh, I, I, I could give any number of examples. But the hard part is, uh, is not, not the invention, but uh, the adoption. And mm. um, in cases where I'm really passionate about it, like I want to be able to listen at high speed, I, I, I was able to overcome the hump and, and get it adopted. How many ideas have you come up with? And how many of them have failed? Oh yes, most of them. Most of them. <laughs> if we went through them, I could probably name them all, but uh, uh, that's not even all of them. I'm sure I have hundreds. Are your cool new ideas always focused on software? Uh, it's, it's all over the map. It's whatever I was interested in at, at the time. Um, so, um, well, yeah, for example, there's a, a in, in that repository, you'll see uh, InfNoise. I have an infinite noise multiplier. I woke up one day with a design in my head for how to make random numbers more reliably uh, on a, a small circuit like a, a little USB stick. And it's a great architecture. Um, and uh, I, I showed it to uh, our chief uh, analog designer at the company I worked at. He said he didn't believe it would work, and I tried to ask him uh, to explain. He said, I oh, thought it'd start generating uh, oscillating patterns and the randomness wouldn't show up. And so I built it, and it generated lots of randomness. It, it actually works exactly according to theory, and every one of them I ever made works perfectly. I've never even had one returned. <laughs> I made the, that one by hand. Uh, it's... Uh, it's just a cute little circuit for generating uh, random numbers for cryptography with uh, the advantages that uh, it's immune uh, compared to other circuits to changes in uh, the life of the circuit, uh, radio signals trying to interfere. If you don't actually touch it, it's, it's hard to make it uh, generate uh, uh, bits controlled by an attacker. Um, and it's very easy to get the circuit right, and it's cheap. So. Uh, I wanted the world to uh, uh, adopt that, so I made it, and I started uh, selling them f uh, at, a, at a loss on Tindy uh, so that people would buy them. Um, and the actual first inventor saw them, and it uh, turns out I'm not the inventor of this. I'm the, I'm the reinventor. So of this. How did you program this device? Uh, it's, uh, it, it's not programmed. Uh, one of the things I wanted to make sure was that a USB stick that you put in your computer would be completely safe. And if I didn't put a microcontroller on it, I figured that would be a lot safer. And so this is a... So this fit with this USB interface? Yeah. Oh. 
it's in this one, <laughs> which because you know we'll be in like that field by Braille basically. Uh, yeah, then other people have adopted this. There are other people selling the exact same circuit online now. There are textbooks that talk about uh, true random number generators, and it's now included as one of the architectures. I do some Python programming and use code search, looking to learn about the usages of the libraries I'm going to use. What is one of the resources you use the most often? Try it. If it doesn't work, go to Stack Exchange. Oh. At least nowadays. You used to have to buy books and read them, but I've thrown all mine out now. What resources do you use for that security device? Oh, this? No, no. It's, uh, to invent things, you have to imagine it working in your head, and then you have to build it and see that it works. You have to understand why it works. You have to convince other people that it can, which uh, almost invariably people uh, will tell you that, that your idea won't work, no matter what it is. Um, and I think that's through positive reinforcement. The more you tell people that their ideas won't work, the more you're right. <laughs> and the, and the, so the, the people uh, who like coming up with a lot of new ideas uh, uh, just have to get used to people telling them, no, that's a dumb idea. When you encounter a failure, what is the first thing you do to overcome it? Even when you have a working prototype of some new awesome widget, you're still really far from, from success, even though, uh, you know, my wife ad advises startup companies, or, and she helped launch uh, uh, an accelerator in, at UNC in uh, uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And it just uh, company after company would have these great ideas, even great prototypes. Uh, and those are the people who've gotten much farther down the road. Those are people who've built a thing and come to an accelerator and said, I want some help launching a company. And yet the number one reason for failure is follow through. They, uh, they don't commit themselves to it. Um, it it's too easy to uh, do something else. Someone offers you a good job, uh, you don't have the confidence. Hard to launch a new product. What is one of the fields which are new to you and interesting to you for your next cool new idea? Speech recognition. Speech recognition. Oh, the I, other direction. Well, it's related to the speech. That's right. It's related. Uh, but I, I discovered that I can generate a picture of, of uh, speech. So you have uh, the frequency and the amplitude. You get a frequency plot like an FFT. Or even on your stereo, sometimes you'll see the, the little blinky lights going up and down. And, you know, there's the low frequencies and there's the high frequencies. And when it's loud, they all go up. And when it's quiet, it goes down. And when the bass is playing, one side goes up. There's one area I'm in, in, interested in in particular yeah, where I, 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 I disagree with the people who, who uh, did all the research, and usually that means I'm wrong, but sometimes I'm right. Uh, in particular, uh, they're using uh, a set, certain set of filters on your voice uh, to extract um, energy in, in uh, very few buckets. It's like... Uh, they break it down to like 20 bins on the order of 20 bins. It's a very low resolution spectrogram. Um, and they, they did some work and they, they convinced themselves that that's all you really needs to hear. And they, But this was decided in the 90s when they didn't have the compute power to do a, a good spectrogram. And they when they revisit it, you know, they look at the compute power still required to get great spectrograms and it's too high. So I invented an algorithm for generating the spectrogram with 100 times less uh, compute power. 
but with uh, higher resolution than existing spectrograms. And I'd like to uh, revisit uh, the filtering we do to speech before we try to recognize human speech. Um, How does this work with the recent effort around deep learning, WaveNet? They're actually using Libsonic as a post-process to WaveNet now. The problem is they, by the way, it's, that's the best text-to-speech I've ever heard. It's amazing. Uh, the, it's amazing also that you can do that with neural networks, and they're becoming uh, more incredible every day. But I think for me that the neural network boat has sailed. I'm not going to go into the machine learning space. I'll, I'll let the, the next generation uh, flesh that space out. Um, but one problem they have is uh, they don't know how it works. Uh, I mean, they, they know how they trained it, but mm. they don't know what the neural network is actually doing. All they know is they feed a stream of text phenomes in one end of the neural network, and beautiful speech comes out the other. The best, in my opinion, anyone has ever created from a machine. Um, and they just train this with, with uh, speech samples from the speaker. It's, it's, it's amazing technology. Uh, but since they don't know what it's doing, they don't know how to make it speak faster. <laughs> and their attempts to make it speak faster are failing miserably. But the problem is their speakers, in the training data, you know, I, can talk, I can talk this fast, maybe a little bit faster than that, but if you can understand me, you're pretty good. And the truth is that's too slow. That's, we, the blind need people to speak at 6x speed up. Um, wow, and I was speaking sense. at maybe 2x speed up. Uh, so uh, there's no samples from a human for the machine to learn from. And so it, they're, they're uh, we're using uh, Libsonic as a post-process to speed it up. At least they're uh, uh, pursuing that at the moment. Um, but it is pretty amazing what they're doing with machine learning nowadays. In this episode, Bell shared with us his experience about how he came to the invention of Libsonic. He invented it because he needed it for himself. Bell has interests in a wide range of fields, and he has lots of cool new ideas, many of which, however, ended up failing. He thinks that many of the failures out there are because people don't follow through. We have a Facebook group where we can continue our conversation about him or his invention. Please check out michiyamamoto.com. Thanks for listening to Inspired by Failure, Lessons Learned from the Journey of Epic Ideas. Stay tuned for our next guest.